welcome back to another episode of Storytime with Stu. I hope you guys have been enjoying these. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If this is your first time seeing one of these, there's not really a wrong time to enter the fray here, I don't think. <laughs> if you want to go back and catch earlier episodes, um, we're kind of at the moment trying to run them congruently, I think is the right word. So we're trying to do... Um, drop two episodes simultaneously about two different books so you can kind of pick which which book you want to read through with us or listen to uh, me kind of break down as i read through it and we're reading two books um, but in, in this episode we're going we're digging back into romance and marriage keeping the flame alive and my chair squeaks as i reach this forward it's not coming into focus but we're trying um, by Bob and Joe Beth Hooker. The chapters are really broken down. It's not just chapter one, blah, blah, like there's different sections within each chapter and each chapter I believe ends with a too hot to handle tip. So enjoy that. There, The thing that I do always want to preface these episodes with and if we do get into other books, I don't know what books they may be, but because these episodes are specifically dealing with sex and sexuality, intimacy, with sex and sex, that was redundant, right? Intimacy and sexuality within marriage or within relationships. In the IFB, it's only, you're only allowed uh, to have sex if you're married. And so because these are dealing with relationship issues and um, sexual issues or just just things that are sexual in general, because, this, because these episodes are dealing with that or these books are dealing with that, I want to preface everything with letting everyone know that while some of these precepts, some of these ideas on the surface might sound like, okay, that's doable or that works, as we break down these these principles and these ideas that are being shared, I'm going to help you understand, hopefully, that while some of the ideas may sound benign or just silly, there's something deeper to a lot of them, number one. And number two, a lot of them don't really work because while they sound like easy, casual, fun things to do with your partner, you're not actually allowed to do them inside of the, not do them, <laughs> you know what I mean. You're not allowed to do these things that they're prescribing uh, to the full extent that you would normally because they're inside the IFB. Also, along with that, what you're seeing or what we're dealing with inside the IFB, for those that have been in will understand this if you haven't, I'm just trying to make this clear. The man comes first. The man's a priority. What the woman wants, there will be moments here where it seems like what she wants could be a priority or important or the man should listen to her. But everything about the IFB, the man trumps the woman. He's more important. He's the breadwinner. Um, and in fact, if I recall correctly, the last time we read from this book, there were at least two sentences or ideas that stood out where um, Joe Beth and or Bob were explaining that if um, a man cheats on his wife, it's her fault. Now, I'm not saying there's not blame to be had by the party that doesn't cheat. I'm not saying that that, you know, is never the case. Rarely is it the case that it's entirely one person's fault, one person's fault, right? However, they lay all the blame on the wife and specifically they say, you're not doing the stuff that his secretary did, meaning asking him what he wants. Because you don't ask your husband what he wants, and this is a paraphrase, but it's very close to what was said. If you're not asking your husband what he wants like a secretary, 
whose job it is to do that and who's only not asking him what he wants for dinner or what the kids should wear or what he wants his house to look like. She's asking him, does he want his agenda for the day? Does he want his, you know, you know what I mean? Equating those two things is beyond ridiculous. And they do that. Uh, in chapter one of one of these sections, I believe it's in the women's section, Joe Beth kind of breaks it down. Like if he's sleeping with his secretary, you might want to talk to her and see what she's doing right and what you're doing wrong. I kid you not. So without further ado, we're a few minutes in here. Let's get into romance and marriage, keeping the flame alive. Let me have a drink. Not like I haven't had a couple already. And they start each section with a uh, scripture verse, generally Song of Solomon. We know why. Uh, um, concubines, that's why. Uh, Song of Solomon 7, 11, 7, 11, all right, and 12a, a meaning the first part of the verse. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourish. By the way, you know what comes off the vine? Uh, wine. So just that's a big problem for the act being not allowed to drink. Solomon's talking about drinking alcohol, and they want to use it as a reference for grape juice because Welch's is all that there is, Okay. Well, there's anything wrong with Welch's. That's what, that's what Chloe drinks. So, and it's delicious. When God created man, observation number two. So observation one, number one was chapter one. Observation number two is when God created man and woman, he also established some principles by which to govern their lives. Since God never changes his mind, which people change their minds. Why can't God change his mind? I've changed my mind all the time. Okay. Uh, since God never changes his mind, those principles are still valid for us today. God created man. There's a little one, two, one, two here. God created man. Number one, these are the purposes for which God created man. They give references to work in the garden. Genesis 1, 15. Why am I holding this up? To not work in any garden, but God's garden. Genesis 1, 8. So those are the purposes that man was created for. Um, they're saying in Genesis in the beginning of the Bible. Uh, God created woman. Here's what she was uh, created for. To, to eliminate man's loneliness. Genesis 2, 18. So, just know that, ladies, like the real reason for Eve was Adam was lonely. And I'm not saying the scripture doesn't say that because it clearly does say that. I'm not saying that the scripture is leading us to believe that that's all she was created for, her very, her, her utmost important purpose. But I believe that's where we're headed here. But I haven't finished this chapter. So um, then also to be as help meet for life. That's just one and two. That's it. That's what you're there for, ladies. The word help meet means to help man meet the responsibilities of the garden. In essence, a woman's job is to become an extension of what her man is, thus helping to fulfill God's purpose for their lives. To be fair, I personally believe that in a healthy relationship, along with healthy compromise, especially if there are children involved, it's probably good if you are an extension of one another, meaning you're on the same page. I think if, if that's what they're saying here, I don't disagree with that. A man should accomplish greater things because of his wife, not in spite of her. That makes no sense. <laughs> God never intended for her to have her garden on one side of the planet and his garden on the other. Yeah, I mean, it was they were stuck in, not stuck, but they were in Eden. They weren't going. Yeah, they weren't going. No, it was their garden together. A man needs a woman. He will never do work as successfully or accomplish as much as God planned for him to do apart from the companionship of his wife. I don't have anything on that. That is why it is so important that a young girl consider the life calling of whoever she is dating. I agree with that. She should realize that what her young man desires to do is not something she should despise, make fun of, or seek to change, but what she should be willing to pour herself into for the rest of her life. If she cannot do that, then she does not need to date him. 
I, I have to agree with this a little bit, uh, <laughs> and I'm not liking that, but it's true. If you're going to be with someone, dating, married, whatever the case may be, it's good for you guys to have shared interests. But what I don't agree with here is what I'm reading and what I've seen and what I experienced in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement is that the, the women are being admonished here by an, an older woman who is a, a pillar or was a pillar at Hiles Anderson College. People, Women look up to her, went to her for counseling. Young ladies thought that, you know, uh, if she said it, it was Bible in some instances, just like we did with uh, Bob. So when I, when I hear her saying, like, you need to pour, like... You need to be all about his his shit, like pour everything into it, be sold out for what he sold out for. I think that's taking it a little too far. I think a lot of us can agree. There are things that our spouses do, even there's people that are high profile and their spouse doesn't care at all about what they do and they have a great relationship. I know that I've personally experienced that, not in marriage, but having a relationship with someone, uh, whether it be a friend or romantic relationship, specifically I can speak to that last part, Someone that had, there's something that I'm just sold on. It's my one thing. I love and I enjoy doing it, this podcast. And um, was with someone who wasn't unkind about it, but it wasn't like, oh yeah, I want to be, you know, I want to know and I want to be involved. They didn't, they didn't care. They didn't even watch the podcast, but we still had a, a terrific, healthy relationship. Why? Because you don't have to be super, super sold out. On what the other person is doing in order to be supportive of them and that's what I'm reading here that's where I feel like the lines are getting blurred where it kind of sounds like hey it's a good idea to be want to be involved in what your partner's doing sure it is but you don't have to be a hundred percent then what's left for you right how are you your own person how are you independent how are you in your own reality if all you can think about is their thing that's bullshit I'm sorry I just had to break that down a little bit tip number two romance is a state of mind if you have the right mindset, cleaning the bathtub can be romantic. I'm going to need another drink. <laughs> this is an, an IFB thing where they talk down to you, which we did a, um, it was so much fun. We did a live version of these readings and everyone, we all chimed in together. And one of the big things that kept coming back was how much we're talked down to in the IFB. If you're not upper echelon, big deal, status, have a big ministry, whatever, level that is that you can get to it's really like a multi-level marketing scheme if we're being honest but if you're not way up with the with the higher ups of the cool kids you get talked down to so much and so this is just something that that joe beth i believe is writing this throws this out there and expects you to buy it because she's joe beth hooker she's got i think they have six daughters they got a bunch of daughters they, they married guys and so that means they were successful the guys went into the ministry she's a big deal so she's gonna say hey listen scrubbing the tub is romantic and you're gonna say oh yes it should. Yeah, of course yes it should be romantic no it doesn't really make sense I understand the concept but to put it that way we're back to some Ray Young speak it doesn't really make sense in the in the, in the vast scheme of things if that's the right terminology there if you have the wrong mindset a moonlit stroll can turn into an argument or if you're just in a bad mood I don't know if wrong mindset is Again, this is this is um, not, not just training. What's the word? This is indoctrination. This is, your mind needs to be wired this way. No, you're a human being. You have your own feelings. You have your own independent thoughts. It's allowed. You're allowed to be upset about things. There are plenty of times in IFB marriages where the husband just expects the wife to roll over and not not be upset by something that he's done wrong. I've been in that position. I'm very familiar with it. You expect them because of their training 
and they're wiring and they're hardwired to do, and this is sexist and unkind, and I'm not saying this should be anyone's life ever. I'm just saying this is the reality of being married to a clergyman or a, uh, an IFB staff member uh, inside of the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement for the most part. Not every single one, but overall, and this is why the top people are teaching this, you've got to be wired so that no matter what he does, he's right. And we read in the first chapter uh, something from, I don't know if it was Bob or Joe Beth, but something in one of these chapters where they shared something about, she wants to cuddle, cuddle guys. Okay, cool. That's not really okay. If he comes home, and I believe it was two or three in the afternoon, if he comes home in the middle of the day and he wants to have sex, you should have sex with him. Whoa, huge red flag. So this is all the same kind of grooming and mindset uh, uh, shaping of, hey, when you're married, you need to really need to go along with what he wants you to do. I know I'm riffing off a lot off of just an argument during a midnight stroll, but many midnight strolls are going to turn into, not many, hopefully, but some will turn into arguments because you guys are on the same page. Like, that's just life. So for her to say, like, you know, look, your midnight stroll should be perfect and you have a bad mindset, like you're being sinful or wrong if they, no, like that's, that's life. Anyways, idea number two, never go a week without a date. I have a set time to get together for fun. It's not the time to talk problems. Again, this is, this is uh, conditioning. This is, you know, whenever, whenever he wants to do the thing, you do the thing, not always sex, but you pretend like everything's all good and fine. And again, I know this sounds, some of what she's saying sounds benign or even good sometimes, but when you dig deeper and you understand the dynamic of husband and wife inside the majority of IFB marriages, not all, but the majority of them, you understand there's a deeper underlying problem of submission to the husband that goes far beyond just basic submission and it's oppression of the wife is what it turns into. If he's a mechanic, put on some grubbies. This must be an old term. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and crawl underneath the car with him. Maybe maybe, maybe don't do that. <laughs> if the girl I was with was working on a car, I would definitely say something to her before just crawling under the car in my grubbies. Um, if he's building a fence, offer to hold the nail pouch and, and hand him nails. There you go. Who was I talking to? A uh, guest on a podcast called Another Casual Podcast. Reach out to the podcast directly here or check out our Facebook page. We, we will have shared it by this time or other social media platforms where you can find us. A friend of mine, Devon, has his own podcast. I was lucky enough to get a guest spot, one of his first guest spots, actually. Super stoked on that on his podcast. And he just really, in a fun and enjoyable way, kind of pummeled me with questions about the, not about the IFB, but about God and Christianity and what I believed and where I come from. And in describing the IFB, I came across my own definition that I'd never said before that was really fun. I haven't worn this hat in years. I feel like I may be getting him confused with... Um, uh, Pete Cowling, but I feel like Bob went to Tennessee. I don't know. I wanted to wear this hat for Bob. This is a Tennessee Volunteers hat, but uh, it's I haven't worn it in ages. And does your head get fatter? <laughs> oh, it's my quarantine hair. That's what it is. I don't know when this will come out. Hopefully, while quarantine is still relevant. So hopefully not in like 2023. Um, but I think that's what's. Anyways, or maybe my head's fatter. I don't know. Okay, all that to say, he kind of asked me to sum down things, or I was trying to sum things into one spot and I said you know what the IFB will remind most people of it is Mad Men which if you haven't seen Mad Men that's okay but it's a show about what is that the the 50s 60s advertising agency very very sexist very um, male centric and, and it's not to the show isn't meant to be on kind of women it's just kind of shining a light on what things were uh, during that time period Don Draper and such it's, it's a very well done show Anyways, I'm not speaking ill of the show, but I will say that it was funny when he was asking me. I said, you know what? The IFB is a lot like 
uh, 1950s America or say Mad Men without the booze and the sex uh, and the cigarettes because <laughs> everyone smokes cigarettes all the time in the show. So I said, honestly, if you want me to sum it up, that's what it's like. So I hope that resonates with someone. But that's what I'm hearing here. Oh, let me hold the nail pouch for you. No, fuck that. Wait, let him have him do. And I know Bob's going to get into do things with her that she likes. But that just, I'm sorry, that strikes me as sexist. And if you don't feel that way, that's okay. You don't have to agree with me. All right. If he's a roofer, climb up on the ladder and talk to him while he works. Don't do that. <laughs> if he's really into you, he's probably not going to be able to get anything done. He'll appreciate any thoughtful gesture of love. That last part I agree with. Okay, too hot to handle. Here's our tip. Are you ready? It always ends with a too hot to handle and then uh, an anonymous quote, which I'm guessing is from Bob or Joe Beth or one of their contemporaries. Just as bad. If he's working alone, if he is working alone in his home office, surprise him by showing up in a skimpy outfit with a cup of coffee in your hand and say, coffee or coffee, tea or me. So hopefully that goes the way you want it to go. <laughs> I know that's fucked up. I'm sorry. It's just, you're leaving it open. Give him the coffee and then do your thing. Whatever your kink is or whatever, like do that. But maybe don't give him the choice. I don't know. If you really want to grab his attention, don a long blonde wig and red lipstick too. I don't know. I, I, I've talked, I'm talked out on this one. Remember though, this is for his eyes only. You know shit. <laughs> now, if he fucks his secretary, that's okay. But make sure that you're playing hoe at home so that he feels like he turned his housewife into a hoe? I don't know, whatever. I'm not saying that's a hoe thing to do. I'm just saying, like, inside of that culture, inside of the reality of the IFB, the majority of people that are independent fundamental Baptists, that is going to be wild for them. So that's, that's kinky, okay, in, in that culture. Success in marriage is not so much a matter of finding the right person as it is being the right person. I can't. I'm sure there's a way to disagree with that, but I can't think of it. I think that quote makes sense. Banking the fire is the, um, oh, excuse me, is the, this is the the men's stuff. I believe this is Bob writing this. Yeah, lighting her fire was the first one, not banking the fire, which I'm not outdoorsy, so I'm sure there's a, a great lesson there from Bob. Bob could explain to me what banking a fire means, and maybe he will in here, but I'm not familiar with banking a fire, though I'm sure I've seen it done in my childhood. Romance means more than an intimate, intimate physical relationship. What? Ecclesiastes 4.11. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Uh, yeah, good one. <laughs> when we were first married, observation number two, this is for chapter two. When we were first married, my wife and I lived in a small fishing cabin overlooking a lake. I bet you did. Our heat source was a wood stove. At night, I would take several pieces of split logs, low split logs, load up the stove, and then close the damper so that the airflow was minimal. You don't want to smoke yourself out. Good call, Bob. This kept the coals from going out and allowed the wood to burn slowly throughout the night. Okay, I did not understand. What he, see, I don't, I'm not, I never lived in a cabin. Sounds awesome, but I've never lived in one, stayed in one. When I awoke at about 5 o'clock a.m., the coals would still be hot on the stove, and it was easy to restart the fire. This process is called banking the fire. Thank you, Bob. Now I know what it is. And it is a wonderful picture of what I will now address. Romance is much more than the intimate act of love. Now, I don't want to go into too much detail, but it is important to note that he's having to, he feels like he has to explain this because we don't know. By the time you're married, you should, this is shit that you should know. And he's writing this for, you know, 
very engaged or recently married couples. This is stuff people should know. But because the IFB makes everything sexual taboo, unless your pastor wants to rant and rave about women in slacks and how you can see their underwear through their slacks, as they like to call them, pants. Um, unless it's something like that, where it's overtly sexual in a, um, in a way of condemnation, unless it's like that, then they don't, they don't want to get into it. So anyways, it's taboo otherwise. If you want your wife to be ready to flame up when you need, oh my God, and want her, you better bank the flame and keep the coals hot. Many wives complain that every touch from her husband is a precursor to sex. This is unwise to say the least. Romance should be an ongoing endeavor, not just one more opportunity for personal satisfaction. Try writing notes. Again, this is him talking down to you. This is stuff that whether you know it or not, you'll figure it out. But Bob wants to over-explain to you because you're a dumbass and he's achieved so much and he's the pro. So this is why you bought his book. Try writing notes to her or maybe a poem about her beauty. Take a walk in the rain. Have a snowball fight. Just not like Dwight and Jim. Go horseback riding or just sit on the porch on a cool summer evening and sip lemonade. Take, I'm just, I'm in awe because again, this is, this is so um, condescending. That's the word I'm looking for. This is so condescending. Take a drive in the autumn season and watch the leaves fall. Sit close and talk about your dreams and good memories. Visit a high, they love going to high school football games. <laughs> this, they really do. Visit a high school football game, play a game of tennis, or go to an early breakfast at a quaint little restaurant. Again, most of the people in the IFB, I love that they're playing out these scenarios that most of the people in the IFB, because they IFB, have given so much money to their church. They can't afford a sitter, right? They don't have money to go out to eat. We never did. And my parents weren't tippity-top, but my dad was the pastor. He should have had, you know, something. We, we didn't. And I'm, this isn't against my parents whatsoever. I'm not a big fan of speaking against my parents. There are things that I have done incorrectly as a parent, and there are things that they did incorrectly as a parent, and we're all trying to learn as we go along. But this guy is saying, you should be able to take your wife out to eat. We... That, that's not a reality for a lot of IFB pastors. And in my case, when I was an assistant pastor, it was on a credit card. I was, look, I was, I was calling and checking my balance before, I would, uh, before we would go out for dinner to make sure I had enough, make sure I had paid my credit card down so I had a, you know, about $30 left so I could go out to dinner with my wife at, at the time. And so this is not really, a, he's saying, like, oh, it's not about being bad with finances. It's about the fact that the IFB does not take care of its small church leadership. And this isn't against the, the church I was working, working for, pastor, um, the pastor there, a lot of the people there. Um, I wouldn't say I'm thoroughly in contact with, but I still think of them as good people, uh, many of them. And so I'm not speaking against them, not speaking against my parents. I'm just saying the reality of take your wife out for a quaint, no, that's 50 bucks. We don't have that. Just don't have it. This is as much a part of intimacy as the physical act of marriage. It's not. And a vital part of baking the fire. I'm not saying that developing a relationship isn't important. But again, in his... Here's the thing that these guys do. I need another drink. Wow, this is really getting to me. They get so into themselves. And so into this condescending mindset that they, they are working so hard at talking down to you. Just like Joe Beth said, scrubbing the tub is romantic, right? Or cleaning the bathroom, however she phrased it. He's so into this that he's saying, like, sex isn't just sex. It's taking her out to... No. A relation... That's part of the relationship. Sex is sex. And I'm not saying that it can't be part of the foreplay or the lead up to. Like, I'm not saying that. But, like, the physical act of sex is not taking... Now, if you have sex at a restaurant, okay. <laughs> if you're having sex on the table, that's different than you're having sex at the restaurant. 
But if you're not, then that's not part of the act of sex. So Bob is so full of himself and so thoroughly uh, engrossed in condescending, speaking in a condescending manner, that he's saying stuff that's not actually accurate because it's so important that he let you know how fucking stupid you are. All right. Tip number two. Simply put, a fire that is continuously banked will never go out and is much easier and more quickly brought to flame. That's the whole tip. So... When you're making fires, like that's not a relationship. I understand how it can relate, but Bob, relate it. It's here's the tip right here for those of you that are watching this. Here's the tip, and there's a picture of Bob and Joe Beth where he could have at least made it a wider picture and explained or put the picture down further. There's a good inch or half inch here before the page number. You could have given us a little more explanation here, but instead, you need a picture of you and Joe Beth planting flowers. And just explain that. Don't say like here's a tip about making fires in a stove. I understand how it relates, but explain that if you're so big on explaining and condescending. Okay, so maybe he got it right, right? For once he didn't condescend and over-explain. <laughs> I don't know. Idea number two. Try massaging her neck, shoulder, or temples if she has a headache. Again, no doy, as they say. No shit, dude. A gentle hand on the shoulder, an arm around her waist, a hug, or a soft kiss followed by a word or phrase or simply an I love you, you're beautiful when she is stressed from children, worker, or illness can mean more to her than anything else she could do or say. I'm shaking my head for those of you listening. No, like, I love you, you're beautiful. She needs to... Okay, okay, let me let me, let me break these down one by one. Another drink, if, if I may. And I may, because I'm the only one here. It's not... My cough is not a reflection on the whiskey. It's delicious. So let me break this down. So he says... So he's saying a lot. Gentle hand on the shoulder, arm on her waist, a hug or a soft kiss, followed by a word or phrase, or simply an I love you. Also... Part of the problem is the thing that frustrates me about the IFB is these people want to condemn you for things that are problems that they created. There's no, it's not just no premarital sex in the IFB. There's no premarital touching. A big brag for many people and people that I know, and I'm not saying that they, they weren't pure. I wasn't, okay, on the marriage day. But here's the thing. A big brag for a lot of them is the first time I touched my, this guy's, if you haven't heard this before, oh my God, if you have, you're like, yeah, I already fucking know what you're going to say. Just fast forward. A big brag is I didn't touch my wife. I didn't touch my husband until the night before our wedding. Oh, because you had sex? No, no, I didn't touch him. We started dating. We never touched. We went to this thing. We never touched. We, we, we moved it. I met her parents. We still hadn't touched. I had her come stay uh, for the summer, not the, you know, for a holiday near where we live because she can't stay with your parents because all the rules. It's amazing, the rules. I need to get, I've got to get a rule book. If you know someone or have a rule book, please send it to me. I am jonesing to read through a Hiles Anderson College rule book. Okay, side note, all done. All these stages of, I, then, and then we'll read it in Jack Scott's book, I Like You, I Love You. He's got like, I don't know, at least six to ten stages. But you go through all these stages of dating someone and you don't lay a finger on them. And then the night before your wedding, you finally touch them. How? When? Is it sex? Is it an arm up the... up the, Is it an arm? <laughs> oh boy, I'm getting geeky too. Is it a hand up the skirt? Is it sticking your hand in his pants? No, no, no. It is you, ladies, putting your arm underneath his as he escorts you down the aisle to rehearse your wedding the next day where you will be... Your souls will be eternally bonded to one another, or I should say, your bodies will be eternally bonded, and you'll sign a document that states that you will love each other for forever, 
but you've never even touched each other. So anyways, what I'm trying to get to is, Bob is saying, guys, how dare you? Like, every touch shouldn't lead to sex. That's wrong. Do you know why it does? Do you know why guys have that expectation? Not in general, in the in the IFB generally. Why? Because we're not allowed to have any sex until we're married. That's that's ludicrous. That is ridiculous. It's not going to work, guys. And so he, Bob is saying from the pulpit across the nation, he's preaching to teenagers at youth conference. They're busting in 7,000 teenagers, 5,000, whatever. And he's ripping their heads off and saying, you better not... You better never touch her until you're married. You better remain pure. And if you haven't, then you better get right with God and never touch her. Look at anything or touch a girl or you better not be messing around with your boyfriend. But after you get married, if everything, if all he wants is sex, that is wrong of him. And I'm not saying that it's right for every, for a man to, I mean, I'm obviously not saying that. I'm disagreeing with, oh, you know, you should just bend over and take it whenever he wants. No, obviously not. But they've created an issue because they're not, and some people will disagree with me on this. That's fine. A lot of people will probably. But if you are make, if you are forcing teenagers and young adults to not even touch their significant other until they become their spouse, and then all of a sudden you want to condemn them because they want sex all the time, man or woman, it could definitely go both ways. Then guess what? You're creating the problem and then condemning the people whose problem you created. That's fucked. All right. Anyways. Okay, yeah, I was going to bring this down. So, he's saying, when she's stressed from children, work, finances, or illness, you should say, I love you, you're beautiful. And that is exactly an, an, another huge problem. You, because you've been taught that when you say the magic words or do the one magic thing, and I know this is a, there's different dynamics, different people are different, but in the, you know, traditional sense that he's talking about, husband, wife, or let's make it non-traditional, you're not both the same, and we don't all operate the same. So to expect, everyone's different, right? But for guys, generally, it's easier for us to get over it, right? Let's get over it. But that's not how everyone's dynamic works. It's not how everyone's energy works. So he is basically laying it out and saying, look, if she's sick, kiss her, hug her, say, I love you, you're beautiful, and then that's it. She's suddenly fixed. I know that sounds crazy. I know that sounds stupid, but that is exactly what he's saying. And some people will dispute me. Oh, he said, touch her and a hand on... Yeah, but that, and this isn't to condemn women in any way, shape, or form, but to think that you can do this surface-level thing, and by the way, he's putting this out as Bible. This is law. This is what he's saying. This is how to fix it. This is what to do. It's not. It's, there's so much more that relationships have, have layers they're multifaceted so for him to say the magic words and then all of a sudden her to be good to go it's not wrong for me to say maybe she's not going to be good to go and that's okay she needs her time or look if she's frustrated with the kids fucking let her get out of the house when you come home from soul winning or from work or from whatever you're doing give her the keys like i'm not saying now i'm giving advice right but like be practical be knowledgeable. Find out what it is that makes your spouse tick. Don't just say, I love you. I, I, I love you. You're beautiful. Now everything's great. Bob Hooker said, and, and, and any woman who's not as indoctrinated as many of them are, unfortunately, is going to say, well, hopefully, fuck off. <laughs> like, I need to get out of that. I'm frustrated about the finances. I love you. You're beautiful. That's not going to solve a problem. That's probably going to create a bigger one because he's just ignoring the problem. Right? Okay. Anyways. Um, these gestures of love let her know she is special without necessarily signaling an attempt at getting her to the bedroom. But now comes the too hot to handle tip. 
secretly make a tape of her favorite love songs. Turn the tape on if she lies down in bed. Whatever tune she sang before, you may find she sings a different one now. Again, the sexism. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Did you did you hear? Did you interpret what I read the way I interpreted it? Maybe not. That's fine if you didn't. He's saying, she's look. There is. It's not hard to infer that from this passage. He's saying you make her a mixtape like we all did in the nineties, right? You make your girl a mixtape. She's pissy, right? And this is this is not my reality. I'm just saying this is what he's saying. She's pissy. She's in the mood. You make her a mixtape. Guess what? She'll sing a different tune. That's what he's saying. So just so you know, guys, that's all it takes is a fucking mixtape. Your girl is good as new. No. No, man. These solutions are not solutions. They're, they are compiling, if that's the right, compounding the problem. And then his quote, his anonymous quote, the bonds of matrimony are worthless unless the interests are kept up. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. All right, I'm getting into this whiskey now. <laughs> so, so the third selection here is going to be interesting, to say the least. So chapter two, Song of Solomon. Red Hot Romance is... Uh, the part for couples, uh, chapter two in the part for couples, Red Hot Romance. I am my beloved's and my beloved, pfft, let me try that again. I am my beloved's, it's B-E-L-O-V-E-D apostrophe S, so that's why I'm struggling here, okay? I'm my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Maybe it is the alcohol. I don't know, but I'm having trouble. All right, observation number two. Romance is not an exchange of trade. If you use romantic gestures to barter for favors or forgiveness, you will lose every time. For example, I'll give you flowers if you iron my shirts. I personally iron my own shirts. I iron other people's shirts. Who's? I just ironed something for someone the other day. Who? Then there's no one here. Who is it? I'm losing it. No, I really did iron something. Oh, was it? No, it was right before everything went... <laughs> Right before quarantine and all this craziness, me and, um, I'll say a buddy of mine, because I don't, I don't want to embarrass him. Me and a buddy of mine uh, headed out to uh, L.A. to the comedy store to see some stand-up comedy. And he came through and he's like, I'm just going to you know throw my stuff in the dryer. I'll iron it real quick. I'm not making fun of him. Don't get me wrong, bro, because you're going to hear this most likely. He's, he was going to iron it. And he wasn't going to throw it in the dryer. I lied. He was going to iron it himself. Like, no, fuck that. I'm going to iron it. I'm an ironing pro. And I always have been. Um, really, I take pride. Or I'll cook dinner tonight if you'll buy me a new dress. Romance is the expression. So he's saying that's wrong. Romance is the expression of your love for that special person. It is not a bargaining chip. Yeah. When romance is used as a kind of a bargaining chip, you cheapen the gesture and devalue your relationship. All right. Tip number two. It has been said that sexually active women... Okay, I have... <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I need another drink. This is going to get... I'm probably not going to have much commentary on this because this is something that, if I'm reading this right, something that a me medical professional should be speaking on. And let me check in the back. Just because there's no... I don't believe there are any quick... Uh, um, Cliff notes, there's no, okay. No, there's nothing here where they've consulted a medical professional on any of these. So, Joe Beth is going to tell you about menopause. Okay. It has been said that sexually active women have little problem with menopause. Now, here's the thing. I am not a sexually active woman. I am not uh, familiar at all. I don't know what the term menopause means, but I'm not familiar with it at all. And these, this is not a medical professional giving this advice. So, I'm not saying that's not true. But I would at least like to see a, a, um, a source cited on that information. I do not know whether or not that is true. Okay. <laughs> what? Oh, okay. So you're giving us tips that you don't know if they're true. Uh, this may be wrong, but I'm going to tell you. 
Okay, I'll give them that. At least they gave them a disclaimer. But just don't give us the tip. This might not be true, but I think it... What? But it sounds... <laughs> but it sounds like something worthwhile to pursue before resorting to medications. And it sounds like a whole lot of fun. Again, you guys, the IFB, for the most part, the very entrenched fundamentalists, the problem that they have is they talk on both sides of their mouth. Well, make sure you give her what he want, what she give her what she wants, and and don't let every you know make every touch lead to sexual things. Like, okay, but you're saying, you, again, it's you're saying two things. Sounds like a whole lot of fun. Well, but you just said he he shouldn't everything shouldn't lead to sex, but it should be a, which is it? All right. Idea number two: get a jar, a basket, or a box, and fill it full of romantic ideas. It's sex dice, okay? Each week, draw out the ideas and do what it says. Take turns with your spouse, creating ideas for the box. Again, you can buy these at sex shops, but it'd be fun to make one, sure. Or, on your daily to-do list, include a romantic something to do for your marital partner. Too hot to handle. Oh boy, set up a V... Oh, God. Set up a VCR in your garage. VCR, so we're dating ourselves here. Set up a VCR in your garage where an old silent love film... Okay, can be viewed from inside of your car. Again, don't get carbon monoxide poisoning, but... Hand your husband some play money and two pretend tickets. Tell him he is taking you to the theater. After he picks himself up off the floor, why did he fall down? What happened? Request that he escort you to the garage. Once in the garage, don a mustache and a ball cap and pretend to run a concept. Again, how condescending this book is is amazing. Let him use his play money to purchase popcorn, pop, and candy bars. Here's why he's picking himself up off the floor. He thinks that you have snapped. <laughs> Let's be honest. This does not sound... I'm not saying don't be cute, don't be fun. It's not my place to give any advice, married or not, which I'm not. It's not my place to give any advice, but I wouldn't give advice like this. Put on a mustache and give him big tickets, yeah. He's picking himself off up off the floor, and he's calling a psychologist. He's calling nine one one. My wife finally snapped. I don't know what to do. Oh, well, once done, take off the mustache and ball cap and become his date again. <laughs> it's called a mind fuck. Get in the car. Use a remote to turn on the VCR. Snuggle under a blanket if it's chilly. Eat popcorn. Drink pop and kiss the night away. In modern teen language, you would be parking. I think that's not modern anymore. She's using it like in, or he, in quotation marks. Have fun and make sure the garage door is closed. No shit, Sherlock. Oh, and then there's a quote by Jack Hiles. Um, Jack to go with the ladies. He had a wife and a mistress. So let's see what he's got to say. Probably the only pure love in this world is demonstrated by the person who loves someone who can give absolutely nothing in return. And what I love, 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 love about the quotes of Jack Hiles is... Like, 5% of them are actually his. And those are the bigoted, hateful, shitty ones. That's not Jack's quote. The greatest love is to give love to someone who can give nothing in return. That's been around long before Jack was around. So, he was he was good. He was a master at, you know, repurposing things that have been successful. Um, if you look at, if you listen to, um, if you listen to a few minutes, there's, there's another person from the but I can't think of. Elvis and Jack Hiles have similar diction. If you listen to enough of both of them, uh, similar diction, similar glasses, <laughs> a lot of similarities. And he has even has an Elvis story that no one can corroborate because it's just him and Elvis alone in an elevator. And they have the same life story, by the way. Um, Jack and Elvis, according to Jack, they had the same life story starting at age, at a very young age, and I think departing. I don't know the age, but their their stories uh, um, take different paths. 
when they're both given a guitar for their birthday and Jack doesn't do shit with his guitar, which he really should have, could have made more money and not been hopefully an asshole like he was. And then Elvis decided to make money with his guitar. That's the difference. Um, it's very Forrest Gumpy. Maybe that's where he got it. I don't know. Anyways, that is Romance and Marriage, Keeping the Flame Alive, the second chapter of each section. So I hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. That was fun for me. Uh, and feel free to leave us uh, comments or any kind of a review or if you have some feedback, we want to hear it. If there's another book that you'd like us to cover, we would love to cover it. Uh, if this is boring the hell out of you, let me know and I'll stop. <laughs> I probably won't stop. But uh, anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Not Your Mother's Podcast. And we've got more of these story time with Stu episodes to come. So I hope you're enjoying them. I'm enjoying reading through these books. They are absolutely wild. Thanks so much for listening or watching however you're consuming this content.